second episode of Carpe Fides podcast, uh, where uh, we go in-depth culturally uh, into various topics. And tonight will be an <laughs> article analysis. Um, so uh, if you didn't get to uh, check out our analysis of the 2020 New Jersey um, health, uh, education, and physical education guidelines, you can check that out at your leisure. Tonight we're going to be looking at a, a uh, article, so we're going to do an article analysis tonight. If you're uh, if you're on the live stream, you can click on the link to that, and if you're looking at the um, podcast, we will uh, get a link in the show notes to the article. Um, so we're just going to give you the title, um, be briefly intro what we've been thinking about it, because um, we've been thinking about it for a while, uh, this general topic. So I guess about, I guess it's been about a month since we first kicked around the idea about working towards a blog post together, which we'd never really done before, um, entitled, what was it, The Emasculation of the American Pastorate, yep. something along those lines? Yep. The Emasculation of the American Pastorate. And we had become concerned um, that inside of the church, uh, the the pastor, the pulpit, was being mishandled, was not being led well. It was not, it was not being protected, preserved. Um, it certainly wasn't being direct and biblical and clear. And so we were really trying to pinpoint some reasons behind that. Um, and that's led us to various, various articles and different authors. Um, we both really enjoyed this particular one. Uh, it's called A Letter to Americans... Americans. Uh, let's try again. We do. A Letter to America's Pastors and Churches. Uh, this is by Larry Alex Taunton, and you can find him at LarryAlexTaunton.com. Um, and it was really it was really pretty well written. Um, and it uh, it's going to take us through um, a view of... Uh, basically something from Francis Schaeffer's Christian Manifesto um, and apply that into our current cultural situation. So we're going to, we're going to enjoy going through this together um, and looking at it um, and kind of pulling out some pieces and maybe where we agree and also where maybe we, what we would think of a broader view might fit um, even into this particular climate of what's happened inside of the, the leadership role of churches and what they used to be and what they are now. And it's, it's a, it's a big difference. It's a gap. Oh, it's a gap already. <clears throat> um, so uh, what we plan on doing is uh, we've got the article linked there for you. Um, we've made some highlights into it. So we're going to kind of be zooming in and out of these different highlights and just kind of talking about them for a couple minutes at a time. Um, you know, just kind of freestyling it. Uh, we've never done this before. So, you know, forgive any flow or, you know, what whatever. Um, yeah, this is the first article analysis of Carve Fita's career. It's the first AA Happening. meeting that we've ever done. attempts. We've never done this before. Everybody's got the jitters on the first AA meeting. That's right. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so however, uh, rather than just talk about an article the whole time, I did want to open up with a passage from Amen. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4. Uh, I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. I was reading this. Um, in my devotions this week, and I have a sweet spot in my heart for, uh, for Paul and Timothy. Um, I love their relationship, this father, spiritual son relationship. Um, and so I, I was reading it and I, I always, I always love it. 
Um, these are the final words that Paul says to his spiritual son, Timothy. So let me read that. This is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. <clears throat> it says this. It says, I solemnly charge you, this is Paul to Timothy, I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready, in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, exercise self-control in everything. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure is close. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. Amen. So I, I love those words to Paul as he sees his death on the horizon. Um, he sees his martyrdom coming to a close, or coming close. And what does he tell Pim Timothy as a pastor at, uh, uh, what is he, Ephesus? The that is correct. He is called to him is to preach the word. Um, these are the final words of an apostle who, who wrote a very sizable chunk of the New Testament scripture. He is someone that, that the church has respected. He's someone that Timothy loved. And, and if he was going to sum up one thing, if he was going to say one more thing, what would it be? And it would be to preach the word, to guard the pulpit, to not give in to cultural ear-tickling philosophies that will water down um, the truth that um, Timothy is supposed to hold close to him. So I, I wanted to open with that because that's the sentiment really that's throughout this article. Um, this article um, I found to be very um, impactful and encouraging, um, which is why we're, which is why we're going to cover it. Um, anything you wanted to add as far as that's concerned? Yeah. I mean, there's the varying, the varying topics that can come up, um, in, in, in a discussion like this, um, uh, obviously a person writing an article has a flow to their article. They're trying to hit certain points and they're actually trying to basically formulate, right. And, and, and add and flesh out the, the arguments to the points they're making. Um, but we can, we're going to weave in and out of this. I mean, just beginning in, in second Timothy four, uh, I mean, it pulls us into the realities of what is a pastor. Um, and, and what are the qualifications of a pastor? Because when you think about a pastor, a pastor is supposed to be someone who is apt to teach. How the uh, the scripture would highlight this, um, and as a as someone who's apt to teach, you're talking about someone who um, is able to communicate effectively to people, um, and and that looks like a lot of different ways. There's 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 different skills even inside of that gifting, inside of that calling. There's just different skills inside of it. Um, as God has made each of us very unique. Um, when you when you start to unpack that, though, and you understand, um, it's not hard to draw a crowd, particularly if you are apt to teach. Um, if you want to teach things that people want to hear, you're going to draw a crowd. Mm. But here, the call is not to draw a crowd. Inherently, it is to preach the word. You preach the word 
first and foremost, that's what we preach. And we know that Paul in, in, in other passages will tell us very clearly, this is the gospel. This is the gospel word of Christ. This is Christ. We preach Christ and him crucified. That is our message. Uh, he has risen from the dead and he is ruling and reigning now. This is our, our gospel message. And so the whole idea that we would speak, preach something that's culturally appealing but not actually biblically accurate is a huge indictment that the scripture would lay on top of the pastor. And that's really the, the focus of the article in question. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. So um, uh, I guess with that said, I guess we can dive in. Um, head first. Head first. So the very first line is, America needs your leadership now more than ever. But there are a few things you must know and a few more things that you must expect. So that, that's how he leads as he starts talking to the pastors. Um, he starts talking about Francis Schaeffer. Uh, about his work, A Christian Manifesto, which was written in 1981 um, in the wake of Roe v. Wade. Um, Schaefer called for uh, social action in the form of civil disobedience. Um, so he, he then critiques the pulpit. Um, the, the first quote that I highlighted here says this, But whatever Schaefer's criticisms about the quality of the work being accomplished in the church of his day or ours, he saw the role of pastor, priest, and minister of paramount importance in the life of this country. I couldn't agree more. As a nation's pulpit goes, so goes the soul of that nation. And that's the first thing that I wanted to kind of analyze, that, that first, or that last phrase in that paragraph. As a nation's pulpit goes, so goes the soul of that nation. Um, what, what do you think about that, that first phrase there, Justin? Do you, you agree with it? Do you disagree with it? you want to qualify it? Uh, what are you thinking? I actually like it completely unqualified. Um, it's just true. It's just true. Now, obviously, we're taking we're making some broad brushstrokes there. Right. A nation doesn't have a soul, so we're actually giving some personification to the nation. Uh, but in that, once you understand that there is a literary tool being used there, um, it it clearly outlines for us that the the center right of biblical teaching of spiritual teaching would be the pulpit and if if the pulpit is lost uh, then the the soul of the nation is in jeopardy because the the direction right the the admonition that is supposed to be laid down is supposed to come down from the the elders of the church right the pastorate mm-hmm. um, and and if that is if that is lost if that is weakened if it begins to teach a false doctrine, if it begins to teach a false gospel, if its motives become corrupt, if any of these things, or if all of these things simultaneously happen, you weaken the 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 leadership of it. Now, the reality of it, the reality of it is, is this also: um, there is grace upon grace, and grace upon grace upon grace, and and humility can come at any moment, right? Um, and, and God gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And with that truth being being said, there's always there's always turning and repentance. Um, but there's no question that if you're taking this generally ap- applied, it is completely true. If the pulpit is infected, then the soul will equally be infected. Right. You know, at, because the role of the pastor is a leadership role. It's a shepherding role as under shepherds of Christ. So there's, there's a responsibility, there's a weight, there's an authority given to 
um, pastors and elders um, in the church. And when they stray from teaching the word, when they stray from teaching sound doctrine, um, the people, the sheep, follow the shepherd. Um, now, we are not the great shepherd. Um, we, are, we are merely under shepherds of Christ, who is the great shepherd. And he never leads his church um, in dangerous places that, that he does not want them to be led. Um, however, we are fallen people and do have the capacity to lead people astray and in wrong directions. And so, and so that is why Paul is encouraging Timothy um, in the epistle um, to, to make sure that we're teaching sound doctrine, to be ready to stand up and correct and rebuke people who are teaching things that are not true. Um, because when people are teaching things that are not true in the church, and as sheep stray with that, um, you know, the entire underpinnings of, of the scripture itself can be, um, can be deviated from. Um, so I, I also wholeheartedly agree with that, um, which is why, which is why we wanted to write an article so strongly titled, um, but fortunately there's, there's men that are standing up and writing these things. Um, that clearly have more time than we do. <laughs> so, um, moving on into the next section called uh, A Call to Social Action. He says this, he says, I recognize Schaefer's call for social action will make some of you nervous. Perhaps you associate it with the modern phrase social justice. The term was alien to Schaefer's day, but the concept was not. The so-called social justice warriors we are seeing in our streets, rioting and pillaging and attacking America's Judeo-Christian foundations, are of the same ideological stripe as those he saw on the American college campuses in the 1960s. Regardless, social justice, as it is commonly understood today, is not what Schaefer had in mind when he spoke of social action. He simply meant that the Christian tree should bear fruit, and that fruit should have a demonstrable societal impact. Um, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to pause and, and talk about that last line. It, that Christians, um, that the Christian tree should bear fruit, and that that fruit should have a demonstrable societal impact. Um, that's what he is calling um, social action. Uh, what, what do you what do you think of, of this concept? So this is such an interesting concept because the the weight of this is is so simplistic for us to understand. Um, the reason he would not have. The reason he wouldn't have social justice um, as a concept in his mind is because for for Francis Schaeffer, God's justice is what was enough. Right, um, and that is marked through throughout um, the the time the the speeches I've heard him give, the teachings I've heard him give, the various quotations all over the world that he is he is known for, um, as well as the people that that testify to him and his who he was, um, God's justice was of paramount importance to Francis Schaeffer, which, which understand turns into social action. There is a, there is an outpouring of a heart that has been impacted by the true gospel of Christ. And that, that outpouring of the heart has fruit. And that's what this is. That's what this always comes down to. It always comes down to, to fruit. Right. Um, you can you can have the best of intentions, but intentions don't inherently bring about that action, the result, right? Good intentions can lead to bad fruit. Um, 
and and so it's not that we we need to have social justice we need to have god's justice god's justice for anyone is first met out in their life and that 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 justice met out in their life is is taken by christ on the cross and so when that happens when that thing happens and the heart is impacted it results in social change social action but it doesn't result in social justice it results in the person who has been impacted by God's justice and grace, then pouring out himself through God's grace to him into the world. That's the fruit of the gospel. Yeah. It's it's a biblical concept. It's an agrarian concept um, that Jesus himself uses throughout the gospels. Um, and, and even, uh, I believe it's, it's Paul when he references the fruit of the spirit. The Christians are to bear fruit. Christians are to have impact on those around them. Um, Christians are not idle people. Um, they are not busybodies, as Paul warns in Second uh, Thessalonians three. Um, we are to be busy, not busybodies, and and the the fruit of that will bear out as God would um, be gracious to us, um, both personally as well as in our culture. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm tracking with it. I'm tracking with it all so far. Um, uh, he, then, he then goes on to, to list several notable names. Uh, John Wesley, George Whitfield, um, who gave birth to the Great Awakening. Um, uh, abolitionists like William Wilberforce. Um, John Newton, um, who, who, who fought hard against uh, slavery, both in, uh, or I guess mainly in, uh, mainly in Great Britain. Britain. Yeah, Great Britain. Um, and then he moves on and, and says people like uh, Jonathan Mayhew, James Caldwell, John Witherspoon. Um, they helped preach um, and, and helped spark the American Revolution uh, and gave its, its, he calls it, its ideological teeth. Um, he said not only were they in the pulpit, but several of them were actually in the Continental Army and um, in the Continental Congress as, as pe- men who signed the Declaration of Independence. Um, Charles Finney, fantastic. Um, uh, you had Martin Luther King Jr., Here's also the point. Not all of these men, for those that like to rewrite history, all of these men uh, have some significant is- issues in their history and their personal lives. Um, all of them. Uh, maybe maybe not all of them have big issues. Some of them have really alarming issues. That doesn't negate, right? Because, because there are problems, that doesn't take everything they did as a problem. Not everything they did was a problem. Rather, some of the things they, they did were actually very good and beneficial, right? Just here's the, here's the reality. Every human being that comes to Christ is a broken sinner, only made righteous through the blood of Christ. Right. And so when we look at their lives, we say, eh, I'm not going to follow that. That wasn't where they were following Christ. I'm going to follow here because this is where they were following Christ. Mm. And thank God they did because some of the things that have come to us in this moment from when someone who faithfully followed Christ then took a strong stand uh, gives us um, just innumerable freedoms and opportunities to express the gospel in in so many new and varied ways. Um, And that's something important to just remember about history as we're in a time where most of history seems to be uh, being rewritten. It's important to make a note. Yeah. I mean, we, we can look at these men and we can see their sins, right? But we also must acknowledge that these 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 things that they did were fruit born. That's going to show up on that. Yeah, that's going to. That's a mistake. 
I well, apologize. You know what? We all make mistakes. This is exactly what we're talking you know, about here, is, right? So <laughs> this is, it out. This is I'm great. Ruining so the we, we can look at the men and we can see their sin, but we also must acknowledge the fruit that God bore out of their efforts and the teeth that he put to um, their faith that bore itself out in very practical and, and impactful ways. Um, so moving on. Um, from that um, to the next section called America's Original Community Organizers. Um, he talks briefly about a man named Saul Alinsky, um, who uh, claims Marxist ideologies uh, as part of the Black Lives Matter and Antifa groups. Um, he, he calls um, people and leaders in his movement community organizers. Um, and uh, <clears throat> the author here just wants to wants to make a point here. He says, consciously or not, Alinsky stole and then perverted the Christian model. As demonstrated above, you, dear pastor, stand in the stream of, of a great tradition of ministers of the gospel who transformed souls and in so doing transformed society. Just as today's pastors and priests in many parts of this world are, mu are much more than preachers, so it was for most of American history. You are, in other words, America's original community organizers and her best hope for national renewal. Uh, and he's talking again to pastors there. So he's reclaiming that word. Um, One of the things I want to point out, uh, Saul Alinsky had nothing to do with, has nothing to do with the actual Black Lives Matter movement personally, because uh, he's been dead for a long time. Um, but as a as a devout Marxist, right, um, who literally writes the the sequel to Marx's manifesto, right, um, in Rules for Radicals, uh, he uh, I, I I don't have I don't have many I don't have much good to say about the man. Um, Karl Marx was a Satanist. Uh, Solowinsky uh, seems to also have some same leanings. I've got nothing good to say about them. Um, I hope that by God's grace, somehow they found Christ. And that's, that's, that's about as good as I can get there. So I just want to make sure he, he, while they both upheld the values that are shared by several of the founding members of the Black Lives Matter organization, okay, they, they don't, they're not, none of these men are actually involved in the movement now because they have been dead for some time. Um, the point, the point he's making here, community, community organizers, though, uh, is that the first community organizers um, that we found were um, were pastors. Uh, they were they were the 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 source that communities looked at for guidance. And so I know it's it's slightly unpopular to even talk about the, the American Revolution because um, it apparently did nothing in, in history at all. Um, but when you look at the American Revolution, you would find time and time again uh, pastors. Uh, in pulpits, right? Some with loaded guns in the pulpits, <laughs> ready to yep. uh, go to battle to defend the pulpit, um, and also to call their congregants um, to the weight of an idea, right? And that idea um, has significant Christian underpinnings, right? That each individual is endowed with certain freedom and liberty. Um, that's one of the, I'm going to get too far off in history, but that's, that's, that's the idea here. And so uh, I'm just trying to remember, he mentioned some names and I don't want to, 
James Caldwell. Uh, James Caldwell, I believe, was known as the uh, what was he the the Fighting Parson. I believe is what his nickname was. I could we have this funny thing called the internet. So let me see if I get that right. Yeah, the Fighting Parson um, for taking place in the American Revolution. He's just one of many. Um, not just not just people that were at the Continental Congress, but there there are signers of the Declaration of Independence. Um, that were pastors, right? And this is a community organization um, that fought hard to make sure when they wrote the Declaration of Independence, uh, it didn't include, right, that all free men are created equal, that all white men are created equal. Rather, they fought hard against people who held slaves. There were abolitionists there that fought hard to make sure that the, the document itself said that all men are created equal that there is literally a inherently equal in nature to all men because they were created as imago day bearers and and that is community organizing at its finest on top of it they were willing to go and die for it and and the point here is far less about the american revolution because while I, I am a recipient of that grace and I am thankful for it, um, it's far more the point that the, the pastorate, the pulpit, shares a, a deep, profound connection um, in being able to lead well for the sake of Christ, God's people, to shepherd the flock. And as Paul says in Second Timothy 4, preach the word. Sorry, Amen. I talked a lot about there. I apologize. That's okay. It's all good. I'm here. You're here. A couple think, people are here. I don't want to get too philosophical, but I think so. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy. Um, so, one of the more stronger portions of the article um, is coming up here towards the middle. Uh, I just want to read through it um, as briefly as I can. I love reading things to other people. I should, I should sell my voice on Audible or something. Um, well... And we go. So, <laughs> so directly after that quote, he says, But as Schaefer notes, something somewhere went wrong in the American church, and with it the American soul. Jesus transformed an empire with twelve, and today we have, we have throughout our country, mega churches with more churches planted every day, yet their societal impact is negligible. Why? How is it possible? As the above quotation suggests, Schaefer attributes it to a poverty of preaching. Quote, Spirituality to the evangelical leadership has often not included the lordship of Christ over the whole spectrum of life. Oof. Too often, a sermon says things that are true, but not relevant things. There is a subtle but important distinction. Martin Luther put the problem this way. This is Martin Luther the Reformer. If I profess with the loudest voice and clearest exposition every portion of the word of God, except precisely that little point which the world and the devil are at that moment attacking, I am not confessing Christ, however boldly I may be professing him. Where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier is proved, and to be steady on all the battlefront besides is mere flight and disgrace if he flinches, at that point. 
If we were to represent the totality of human existence with a pie chart, many pastors know very well, just as I know as a writer, which pieces of the pie they may attack boldly without really risking anything. He can safely pound the pulpit and call for the feeding of the poor and care for the widowed and orphaned. He can passionately preach a series of sermons on the Exodus, the life of Joseph, and the miracles of Jesus, and say a great many true things, and suffer no recrimination whatsoever. And here's, here's the kicker. But unless he professes with the loudest voice and clearest exposition that point of the word of God which the world and the devil are at that moment attacking, he is forsaking his calling as a pastor. And today, that means boldly addressing the evils of abortion, the LGBTQI movement, Black Lives Matter movement, Antifa, the attacks on social, economic, and political order, and the radical left. If you aren't addressing these things, you are the salt that has lost its flavor, or that has lost its savor, referencing Matthew 5.13. Uh, there is a lot to unpack there. Yeah, but it's very simplistic. It's not really, it's not overly complicated there. So, the the beautiful point he's making, and I love that he enumerates specific ideas that the the American pastor should be um, should be speaking towards. He enumerates culturally uh, impactful opposition movements uh, to the scripture. And and here's here's what what is so what is so important and and this is this is so you get a personal you get a personal um, story so as as a pastor uh, of of a local church that we that we both we both elder at the same church which by the way is not as easy as that would sound no no uh, you know how like sometimes you want to break from your family yeah just let that sink in um, one of the one of the uh, the conversations I had after specifically. Speak, uh, specifically speaking a message, and, and I was I was literally addressing some of the the um, just racial underpinnings that were seeming to creep into our culture um, in ways that 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 God had never um, intended. In fact, that His gospel had intended to overcome. And I said, um, I, I specifically remember speaking pretty clearly in a very negative way about. I know you'll find it surprising. I know this is weird, but I spoke very negatively about people who have um, racist ideologies, right? I said something to the effect that if a racist person wants to have that idea, fine. Let him have that idea. Let him be a racist. He'll find himself living alone in the woods where he'll die alone, and maybe that's what he deserves. But at the same time, I'm a pastor, right? And so I, a faithful member of my congregation comes up after and said, you know, you spoke about the love of the gospel and how it needs to meet everyone where they're at. Doesn't it need to meet the heart of the racist as well? Like maybe you should understand instead that that man needs to understand that he is being an affront to God with his ideas. And I say that to say this, right? I'm thankful, one, for faithful members who are willing to call their pastor out, which, well, we have no shortage of. So that's great. <laughs> um, and boy, do I... Boy, do I mess up. Uh, that, and that's a joy. But I also say that to say that there's a reality here. All of these things need to be spoken clearly biblically against. Not the people. They need to hear the love and grace of Jesus Christ. But the ideas that are trying to invade 
the hearts and minds, not of the culture. I don't, I don't, I don't shepherd everyone. I shepherd the sheep that, that the, the chief shepherd gives me. But what's creeping into the church today are these ideologies. These ideologies are being pushed in to the doctrines of Christ. And that's where the pastors need to stand boldly and say, no, Christ is sovereign over all. And he gets all of our lives. Hmm. And so while I love with the gospel of Christ, the, the people in the LGBTQI movement, I want to call them to repentance. Not because I think I'm better than them. Because I'm not. Right. In fact, you know that you are not. Amen. And I know that you are not. And I, I, <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, 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 so it, and so when I look at the Black Lives Matter organization, right, I want to call those people to repentance. Why? Because Marxism has no place with Christ. And I say that confidently standing next to Richard Wormbrand, who spent 14 years in prison, saying the same thing. Saying that there is no way that you can find communism and Christianity compatible together, right? Who spends his life in 14 years in prison until he can escape in America after two families were willing to put up $10,000 just to buy his way out of Romania. Communist-controlled Romania. And so I, I can say that. If that's your ideology, if you want to tear things down that God has made good, right? We know that Colossians tells us, right? What God has called good, let no man call evil and if that's what you want to push i want to call you out of that i want to call you to repentance not because i'm better than you but because i literally know the watchmaker right mm. when you look at your fancy apple watch right if you don't know how to use it it's useless you need to refer back to the manual from the people that made it and they can tell you how the apple watch works syncs up with your apple phone and gives all your information to china yeah <laughs> oh wait no no i went i went, I went too far <laughs> no, Tim Cook gives it. Oh, time. Timmy! But <laughs> oh, Tim! Wow! But but you need to go to the watchmaker, right? And so when I look at this world, I can tell you how it works, not because I made it, but because I have been taught by the one who has, because I've read his manual on how to use it. Sex, ethnicity—these are all things created by God as good and glorious, and there's a way. They work to the joy and good of all men because they work to the glory of God. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the thing. And so it's not the people in these movements. I want to call them to repentance, but I want to reject the ideology that's being pushed into not just the culture, but the church and both, right? I do want to I want to push back on both. The culture, because it's my my responsibility as a Christian, all Christians, to reach into the cultural space, the town square, and 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 give Christ's glorious gospel to them. But into the church, because I'm supposed to guard that from wolves, and holy crap, I think most congregations, have, half of them are wolves. Mm. Because they've let their guard down, and this ideology has seeped in. You don't, what, do you want to come off like you're some sort of unsympathetic bigot? Is that what you are? What, you're telling me you're not okay with, with Marxism? You're not okay with socialism? You're not okay with, why aren't you okay with these things? What, 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 you're not sympathetic to, to a homosexual person who struggles with same-sex attraction? To a person who's struggling with gender dysphoria? You're not sympathetic to them? I want to say, no, you've misheard me. I love them. And I will give myself for them and the sake of the gospel in their life. 
I talked for a while again. So. <laughs> it's okay. Just to, to jump back, I mean, these points, what, what he's... <laughs> Son of a... <laughs> it's like, I think we need a new fishing pole. I, I don't know if I have enough strength to reel this one back in. This is our uh, first AA meeting, okay? We've never done an AA. We've never done an article is. analysis. We're trying to figure it out here. No, we're fine. But there's also a reason you're the preaching pastor. So. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> so, but but this this all connects back. So... So what he's saying is that if you're not attacking the things that you know you'll be called out for, oh, thank God you're here to that you'll back in. that you'll know that you know you'll face opposition on. Amen. Even just saying these words in a Christian context with a negative connotation has shut the ears of some people. Shut the ears of people whose ears want to be tickled with with light, fluffy things that will continue them on the path to hell. And and we we must not say those things. Now, if we look, if we look at where we're teaching through, Justin's teaching through 1 Peter right now. If you go back to 1 Peter 4, uh, starting at verse 12, it says this, Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you, as if something unusual were happening to you, but instead rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ, Amen. so that you may also wow. rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed if you are ridiculed for the name of christ you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of god rests on you verse 16 but if anyone suffers as a christian let him not be ashamed but let him glorify god in having that name so when so so that encourages us it strengthens us to have the fortitude to look at the scriptures and proclaim the scriptures. We as pastors, we must proclaim the full word of God to a lost and dying world, to congregations who need to be educated, who need to be rejuvenated, who need to be renewed and refreshed with the gospel week in and week out, and who need to become more and more and more familiar with who God is. And the way to do that is through the right preaching and understanding of the Word of God, both privately and publicly. And so when we speak out against these things, when we speak out in the, in, to the acceptance of what God calls sin in anyone's life, when we speak out against Marxist ideologies that are antithetical to how God has set this world up to run, when we do that, and if we are canceled, blacklisted, uh, ridiculed, pushed back on, called names. We are to count that as blessing because the name that we have, Christian, saint, is of far more value than any name anyone else can throw our way here on this earth. And so and so it these passages and, and, and these these strong words um, by our author just really strengthen us to hold on to the right proclamation of the word of God, specifically against the things that we know are going to get pushed back. Now, Justin, I don't know if you remember, but as as we were as we were getting nearer and nearer to you know, record our first podcast, you know, um, we got together and, and I said, "Dude, I I don't know. I'm getting like super nervous about this." <laughs> oh, I remember. <laughs> I've got friends who aren't going to like this. I, I've got. These are these are the ideas that you and I talk about, and we know to be true are hard things to say in a culture so 
rife with confusion and antithesis to God and his word and his, his, his law and his ideals. Um, and, and fortunately, uh, you know, through, through prayer, we were able to just go forward in that. Um, and these, these passages strengthen us. Well, I mean, I drug you forward. No, 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 I went well in. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, ah! uh, <laughs> God's word is profitable. Amen. But, yeah, you, you're Amen. just like, what are you worried for? We just got to say, come on, let's come over, just do it. And we did it. Um, the reality know. of it is, though, I would never have actually done it if Jesse hadn't actually done it. I mean, it was, it's, it's, God works together. That's how he works. He works through his people. And it's not his person, it is his people together. Right. Right. We're talking about the pastor because the pastor is called to shepherd and lead, but the reality of it is it's the entirety of the church. That's what is so impactful. It is the gospel in your life, in my life, in every person that is a Christian that lays hold to the biblical truths. It is it is the gospel in their life that goes forward. Yeah. Honestly, Jesus already wrote a book on how to be an anti-racist. I don't know why that guy wrote another one. I mean, it was called the Bible. He already wrote it, <laughs> right? And then he came, lived a life, died for it, rose again for it, right? right? Conquering sin and death in, in, in each person's life. He already wrote a book on how to be an anti-racist. It's called Be a Christian, a real one, right. not one that tries to let... And this is... Oh, my gosh. Ready for this one? I don't know. This is, this is the thing. <laughs> The, the, the tickling of the ears, it's reading a narrative into the scripture. Mm. Now, here's the, here's the funny thing. So many people that are reading a narrative into the scripture today want to look back and point at the people that were reading a narrative into the scripture in the past. And so they'll go back to the South, right, where there's chattel slavery, which is an affront to God, because at no point in God's word did he ever, ever, will you ever see any servant or slave based strictly upon and solely upon their ethnicity. That isn't how it worked. That wasn't how God's economy was set up. You will often see slaves inside of households, slaves numbered in households. What kind of sense does that make that's not how it worked in the South? They weren't part of the family. You didn't count them as part of the family. They were, they were part of the herd. They were numbered with the sheep and the cattle. That's how it was done in America. Yet you'll find people in the South having read their narrative into those scriptures. They read their narrative into it and let their narrative inform the scriptures. And the same thing happens today. Mm. The same people looking back and saying, they read their narrative in the scriptures. That's what they believe. That must be what Christ was. It was wrong. They shouldn't have done it. Mm. And then they read their narrative into the scripture today instead of letting God's word speak as clearly as it already does. Right. Same, same sin. Sorry. Same sin. what happens. It is the same. It is the same thing. It turns out God's word says it just fine, mm. just fine. I mean, the word that the word for God's scripture is the word adequate. You know what the word adequate means? It means there is nothing more to be added. There is nothing more that is necessary. Everything you need is here. It is. It is complete. Sufficient. Oh, sufficient. Oh. Um. <clears throat> moving on, moving on to the next section, um, he, he's talking about uh, the next section is called "Be prepared, you'll be attacked." And we've already covered this by reading Second or First Peter, chapter four. So I'm not going to go into it. He, he does just warn um, attacks coming from outside of the church, but also for inside of the church. Um, he mentions that if Jesus had a Judas, it would be arrogant to think that you can't have one too. Um, and, and I think that that's where, for the Christian, for the faithful Christian, much of the um, heartache will come uh, when when friends, when when people who 
who you you will have always looked at as friends embrace ideologies that are anti-god and separate over those things it is heartbreaking those types of emotional tolls um, make you want to give up but we must stand firm we must move forward confidently um, uh, he, he keeps moving on uh, we don't need to spend a ton of time on any of this stuff uh, moves on by saying every day another person corporation or church bends the knee to their godless agenda the, the, the agenda of the culture the anti-god agenda um, he talks about knowing thy enemy and I, I personally thought that this was very impactful and something that you know especially especially in year 2020 um, really starting in 2016 but but especially this year man uh, that I've been really convicted of um, he says you must become acquainted, he's again still talking to pastors, you must become acquainted with Marxist ideas and identity politics just as the Apostle John acquired a thoroughgoing knowledge of the Gnosticism of Serinthus, and St. Augustine became an expert in the teachings of the great heretic Pelagius. Marxism is a secular, utopian, anti-theology that replaces God with man while seeking to create heaven on earth. Mm. You must Fight it. You must denounce it. You must expose it for the godless worldview that it is. And then he, he finishes this next paragraph by saying, Staying above politics is simply not a valid option. Um, and that resonated so well with me because prior to 2016, I was pretty apolitical. I knew I was, I knew I was conservative in my values and my beliefs, because I, 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 my beliefs originate from mainly from the Word of God, as I believe they should, um, as best I can, and as as far as I'm aware. But, but this is, I think, the number one thing I hear when I say, "Did you hear about this? Did you hear about this? Did you hear about this?" I don't get into politics, and and so this this really resonated with me. Because that, that was me. I, I used to say that a lot. Um, I was quite ignorant of, of politics, how our, how our nation was supposed to function, um, who, our, who our founding fathers were, what their values are, why they set things up the way they are. And so this statement, um, staying above politics is simply not a valid option, placed in this context, makes it so much more poignant for me personally. Um, because we must know what direction our culture is going so that we can deliver that timely word, the word of God, to fight and combat that. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with that statement. Staying above politics is simply not a valid option for, for the American pastor at this point. He must understand the ideologies that are creeping into our nation, into our culture, and into our church so that he can do the work of a shepherd and combat them. Um to be ready in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching. All of those things Paul calls him to do. Um, and if you are not correcting, if you are not rebuking, you are not doing the job that you are called to do. Um, you're living a lie. Amen. And the weight of <laughs> the weight of of what I mean, po politics flows right downstream. Uh, from culture, so so as culture goes, so so does the culture's politique go, 
And, Is that and, like where, to, where you go to get your hair done? Yes, that's correct. Politique. Uh, and they do a great job. <laughs> they do a great job. Great job. The hot towel at the end, fantastic. Yeah, I've been going to the same Politique for a long time. <laughs> wow, what a digression. Just so naturally. It was a naturally occurring digression. So I apologize. That's really my fault. I, I stepped Not to be way. confused with a naturally occurring regression, okay. which is exactly what happened to my hair. <laughs> whoa. Oh, gosh. This is why we shouldn't do video. You got a, you got a face for radio, son. All right. <laughs> oh, man. The weight of the reality of politics flowing downstream from culture is um, when politics happen, it is, it is stemming from culture. And so when we analyze the, the politics of the day... We're analyzing. Analyzing? That's not right. We're analyzing because it includes a Z. We're analyzing um, the culture as it flows into the politics, right? The culture flows into the politics, and that's one of the. Honestly, that's why we need to pay attention to what's going on. These ideas are were being shared, so we're looking back, right? As we mentioned these these men from from history. We're looking back on a time when these ideas were, were were argued in the town, argued in the square, right? The Areopagus was an actual place where people went to share ideas and then argue about them. And if your idea wasn't very good, you would lose the argument. You'd have to go back and come up with new suppositions for your for your argument, new 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 ways to bring um, your 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 argumentation into the fray that might be better, right? Stronger arguments to going against strong arguments, right? And then, and the bad idea is lost. That's the whole idea for, for the Areopagus. That's where we see Paul jump into the fray, right? In the book of Acts, we see him jump into the fray in the Areopagus. This, this idea existing uh, that, that somehow the church, somehow the pulpit has nothing to do, right? with leading out in politics and i don't know where it came from i don't um i don't i don't care if a person stands up in a pulpit and wants to if a person wants to like go behind a candidate as god i'm gonna have to like pull them back in because they've they've lost the thread of the story Mm. but to think that you can't speak out on political issues right and i mean just namely one that is so simplistic to understand is abortion right and we're not going to do this is not that podcast but but to not to think you don't speak out on that, right? Because why? Because someone may have had an abortion in your in your congregation. Goodness gracious! Does the gospel not bring healing to that? Ooh. Are you serious? Mm. Or or what? Because because you might offend somebody who has allowed the culture to inform, who has allowed politic to inform their heart and their thinking instead of the gospel of Jesus Christ. No, that person needs to be rebuked. Who's supposed to shepherd their heart? Oh man, who's supposed to shepherd their heart? Right. the The chief shepherd has put the the under shepherd right there, and the under shepherd is to lay down his life because that's what the chief shepherd did, mm-hmm. and he expects that of his under shepherds yep. for the sake of the truth. Mm-hmm. And this is not this is not even close. You need to be able to speak on the cultural issues that are happening, right? Antifa is an anti fascist organization that literally dresses up in black uh, SWAT gear. I'm so sorry. That is not what anti-fascists wore. That is what fascists wear. And then the police show up <laughs> in a... camouflage SWAT gear, and everyone's like, look at the fascists. And I'm like, wait a second. They look just like you. They're just wearing actual colors, and they have like a patch. You don't even have a patch. You just all look like some sort of shamble. 
And then the umbrellas come out. I'm very confused. You need to speak out on these things because can I tell you something? Being an anti-fascist is a base level human instinct. You should be an anti-fascist. If you're a person that wants to shut up everyone that has an idea just because they have an idea that's different than yours, it's a, you're just a bad person. That is not what God has created. There is there's no there is no ideology in the world that is anywhere on par with the, the faith of Christianity. Mm-mm. Because the faith of Christianity says this. Hi, I'd like to tell you the truth of, of, of all things, right? I want to tell you, I want to introduce you to the God, right? That created everything. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell you that not only did he create everything, but then we hated him. He loved us so much that he gave his life to save us. And now we can be his simply by accepting a gift that he has given to us. By the working of the Spirit in our heart through the revelation of truth, through the faithful witness of God's people, turning to him in repentance, and you can be saved. That message can be rejected by everyone, and it doesn't change the Christian's belief system. It doesn't change the God of the universe. I don't force that on someone, because guess what? I don't have anything to do with the actual soul of anyone else. I am responsible to faithfully defend and preach the word of God. Mm. Yeah, I can't help your soul. The message has to work through the Holy Spirit to impact your soul. Mm -hmm. My goodness. And that he would even be willing to do that while we were enemies of him. Haters of God. That's when Christ died. When was the last time you wanted to save your your Uh, enemy and grant him eternal life and fellowship with you? Oh my goodness. Maybe for a good person, some might die. Maybe. And here's his next point, and I, I'm sorry, I, I, I always keep getting off. I just keep getting off of this, and this is my fault. But but one of his points here in in trying to stimulate us is to remind us that we will face persecution. We will. And in facing persecution, we should not be surprised. That was the passage you read in First Peter, First Peter four. four. But n- not not short, not long after First Peter four, we come to First Peter five, and this is it's shocking when things go in numerical order, right? In 1 Peter 5, when we come to the end of our study here, as, we're, as we are coming to the end of our study in 1 Peter at our church, um, which we have very much enjoyed, 1 Peter is literally all about this. Everything about it is the fact that, hey, you're a Christian. You're going to suffer. Take heart. Jesus has won. You're approaching the kingdom of God in glory. Everything down here is but a moment. Mm-hmm. Live for Christ today that's all you have and his grace if you are humble his grace is there for you every day more and more grace all right that's the message that's the big idea of, of peter you come from first peter 4 where you read you jump yourself into first peter 5 and first peter 5 9 begins this way right and speaking specifically about satan it says resist him firm in your faith knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world here's the reality if you resist satan what do you get Suffering. If you're going to resist Satan, you will suffer. Hmm. All right. That's what's going to happen. And when you suffer, you are literally because it's because you're resisting the inclination of the world that has bent in on itself through sin. And you're resisting it with the, the love and grace of Jesus Christ. That's hmm. what it is. You're resisting it with the love of God. And as you resist Satan, right, we know from uh, other passages, Satan will flee from the man of God who resists him. From the woman of God who stands up and resists Satan, he will flee. What the problem is, is we keep chasing after Satan. That's the problem. If we resisted him, he'd just get farther away, but we don't, we're like, we resist him, we forget, and then we're like, wait, come back, Satan! That's what happens, okay? With sin, that's what happens. Um, and, and, and here's what happens in verse 10. It says this, and it reminds us. It says, and after you have suffered a little while, 
the God of all grace, all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. When you resist Satan, you will suffer. Take heart. After you've suffered a little while, is eternal glory brought to you by the God of all grace. Mm. And he is the one who is sovereign. He is the one who has dominion. This shell down here that is broken down by sin, it's just not all that there is. Right. Thank God. Amen. Because <laughs> 2020 cannot come to an end fast enough. Can we have 2021? Maybe it'll be better. Oh my I gosh. don't know. So help me. If Chick-fil-A goes under this year, I'm going to be, <laughs> be so upset. Well. Uh, oh, no. You know. Anyway. Anyway. Beyond that. All right. Um. So <laughs> towards, towards the end of his article. You know what? No, I'm going to say it. Justin, you won't say it. I'm going. I'm going to say you it. You won't say it. I'm going to say it. I'm right, going to get it. a little dicey here because it's, it applies to me too. You you quoted verse nine in Second First Peter chapter five. Correct, Resist him, firm the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. How cowardly! Oh no! How cowardly oh, are no. you, pastor? If you do not fight against Oof. Satan and how he is attacking oh. God's church. And allow other people to suffer when you yourself are not willing to suffer for Christ. Goodness gracious. I said it. Oh my goodness. I said it. Well, that's true. That's just plain <laughs> fire truth. All right? If there can be an underground church in China, yet there can be a wide open church in America, what's the problem? Mm. What's the problem? Right? My, what? Why is the underground church having to fight communism? And we're over here saying, mm. some of the most some of the most heartbreaking and ironic memes are the ones where it has the Hong Kong protesters wearing American flags and U.S. protesters wearing the hammer and sickle. It mm. is it boggles my mind. That is that is the world upside down. That is that is man calling evil good and good evil. I'm not talking about America. You know what I mean. I'm talking about. About ideology, freedom, liberty, yes, liberty that God That's stands That's the whole for. thing. Right. Oh, my goodness. So he, he ends this section by saying that your preaching, Pastor, must simultaneously move your congregation to action. Yes, but it also must reassure them with the comforting reminder that they serve a sovereign God. And no matter what the temporal outcome, in the end, we win, period. God still sits on his throne. And isn't that isn't that first Peter five verse ten that the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered just but a little while. To mm. him be the dominion forever. Amen. Amen. That is Amen. that passage. That is that passage. So um yes and amen to that. Um the last section that he has as he closes is called Be Strong and Courageous. Um, he says, America is on the brink of revolution, and she is in want of a generation of ministers of the gospel who are prepared to courageously fulfill their calling, come what may. You must preach now with strict adherence to the word, with greater conviction, greater force, and greater urgency than ever before. And you have every reason 
to be optimistic of the outcome. Amen. And and again, that is that is exactly what we walk through between Second Timothy chapter four, between First Peter chapters four through five. That is exactly what these passages are saying. It is saying that we must combat today's philosophies that are infiltrating not only our culture but our churches. Amen. And we can look at society and we can despair, but Christians never panic. Why? Because of that final verse that we read in Second Peter five. Who said Christians never panic? I ain't going it. Robert Mueller? Albert Mueller is what I was where I read it in the book. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if he's the first one to say it, but probably yeah, not. Yeah, no, that's right. Christians, Christians never, never panic, panic yeah, because we yep. know and acknowledge the sovereignty of God. So that even if this nation goes to hell in a handbasket culturally, we still stand firm. And we know that though suffering may be here for a little while, we receive such greater blessing um, in the time that is to come for remaining faithful. Um so, a man a man, we are right on our line of our time. Man, again. <laughs> we did it though. We man, did it. Wow, we sure did. Sorry. Sorry. We want to be an hour or two minutes and thirty-seven seconds over on our live video feed, which means we're probably just hitting an hour on our audio feed. Here's here's we we had takeaways last week. I think there's some good takeaways from this article. Yeah. And one of those things I want to encourage everybody that's a Christian that's gonna to listen to this. We gotta get some for pastors and congregants. Right, right, right. right so yeah. congregants, if you believe in the Bible, all right, one of the things I wanted to encourage you is if you're in a church where you where you're now realizing, just thinking about it right now. That, that your pastor has safely uh, avoided cultural issues from the pulpit and or has taken an unbiblical approach to the pulpit, what I would encourage you not to do is simply leave your church. First, speak to your pastor. Because it may be that your pastor does not know that he should be able to be empowered to speak boldly about the truths of God's word. Mm. So speak to him and say, why are you saying these things? Or speak to him and say, why do you not address these things? And if he's going to take a stance that says, well, I just don't know that that's my place. Or if you would say, well, this is our cultural climate right now. And I need this. I need the word to fit that. If he's going to take those approaches, then what I would tell you is very clearly and emphatically tell him that you're going to have to find a place where someone teaches the Bible as it is. Mm. That's just, what I would tell you. You're just flipping right over to First Peter. <laughs> <laughs> you could. First Peter chapter 5. Flip him right over. And, and point out to him that he has fellow believers throughout the world that are suffering for doing the thing he's not willing to do. Amen. Uh, you could do that. You could, um, you know. But but be another thing is that is that what I encourage. I was I had the privilege of teaching from uh, from earlier on in First Peter four uh, on the was it four or five? It was four, baby. No, yeah, it was five. dang, it was five. Well, I know what's going on. Yep. That's fine. What uh, First Peter five, <laughs> where Peter addresses the. It author. was literally only like three weeks ago. How is this possible? All right. This is this is fine. <laughs> We well, what we never mind. Not going to even talk about it anymore. Reel it in. So, First uh, Peter five, where Peter addresses the elders um, to the church scattered abroad, and he um, now because of all that, I lost my train of thought. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. One of the takeaways from one of the takeaways from that pas- from that passage for the congregation, since it was mainly to elders, was this: that the congregation, that members of the church. Um, of God in your local context must know their Bible well enough to know and understand when their pastors are standing firm on the word of God for all sufficiency Mm. and when they are not. Mm. 
you must know your Bible well yeah. enough to know when you have a shepherd who is leading in a God-honoring way and when you have a hireling who is abandoning his call right. to the flock of God. You have that responsibility. Just as an elder has a responsibility to shepherd his flock well, the, 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 the sheep also have a responsibility to know God as full as they can in this life. And that means diving into his word. Um, so that, that also, that's also another takeaway um, for, for congregants. You know, when, when you talk about issues, I think the issues that he listed above in this article were great. Abortion, Marxism, socialism, what is freedom, what is liberty, um, racism, all of these things. The Bible speaks on these things. The preachers that were around and helped write and, and signed the, the, the Declaration of Independence these men informed those documents from the scriptures. I mean, These... it just so boggles the mind. You think that you think that white melanin and black melanin is a problem? Let me explain to you something. You have no idea what the problem was that separated Jew and Gentile. Mm. You don't know what that bridge was like. Even if you were a half Jew called a Samaritan, you don't know what the division was like between Jew and Samaritan and Samaritan and Gentile. And yet the progression of God's glorious gospel goes from Jew to, to Samaritan to the uttermost parts of the Gentile world. And I sit here today as a Gentile saved by grace into the founding faith brought to me by God who took on the form of man as a Jew to the Jews, I am saved by God. Mm. I mean, you talk about somebody overcoming divides, overcoming ethnicities. Goodness gracious. Mm. We know nothing of that. Right. And yet we sit here as some of the fattest, richest people in the history of all existence. And as we said last Stop, week, this is a video too. As we said, <laughs> as we said last week, standing on the shoulders of giants, mm. while we think we are flying, right. we are not, my dear brothers and sisters. If we do not grab hold of God's truth, we are not flying. We are falling, and we're not even doing it with style, right? Like Buzz. That's correct. Um, so uh, probably, I mean, I don't know how many more you have, but um, I think Mom in the chat uh, mentioned that that. He, Congregants must pray for their elders. Um, it, it is... Uh, You're such a homebody. What? Just just mom? Well, I mean, that's what she is to me. One of the person, people in the chat said that we should be praying for our elders. <laughs> oh, man. I'm proud she's my mom. I am, too. Anyway. Um, you know, that that, that is... And that she would pray for me. Mm. Oh, oof, oof. You're both... You're her worst son and her Oh, elder. my gosh. Number two son. What? <laughs> what? I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying, what? <laughs> so, so pray, pr- pray for, for your, your elders, congregants. Right. Pray for your elders. No, no man is without sin, and your elders have flaws, and we have flaws oh as elders, gosh. as fathers, as husbands, as, oh, my gosh. Grace, grace, God's grace. That yep. is all I can say. So, um, so yes, you must be praying as well. Now, now, what are what are some calls for for the pastorate here? For the Oh, there's so many calls for the pastorate. Uh, one, I would say um, speak boldly as Paul might say to his child in the faith, Timothy, preach the word, mm. open it, learn it, know it, love it, and preach it, right? It's not just a book for you. It's a book that you are called to use to shepherd your people. 
They are the ones that have been entrusted to you by the holy God, the sovereign of the universe. For some reason, I, I don't know what it is. But I really can't. I really can't give it to you that he has entrusted anyone to my care, mm. given my. Well, you know, you're terrible. Exactly, <laughs> and and that he would do that. My goodness, open his word and preach it. You don't need your words. You don't need to sound culturally relevant. If you preach God's words, I can tell you, you will be speaking to the culture. I know. When we preach exegetically, guess what we end up doing? Running over. I mean, running them over cultural issues. Murdering them with the truth of God. That's what we do. Because it's right there. It's right there in the text. I mean, my goodness, First Peter was laid out so perfectly for everything that happened from COVID to the disgusting disgrace of the murder of George Floyd to the weight of the racial reaction that is occurring in our country to the Marxist marching. I mean, I, I cannot tell you. It has been like God was like, I think you should wait to preach First Peter until this time. I'm going to set up Advent to pause your whole teaching of First Peter. I'm going to set up Easter to pause your teaching of First Peter, and then I'm going to end the world, and Peter will be so perfect for you. Happy 2020, world. So preach the Bible. Preach the Word. That's what your call is. Do it. We are, we are not... Talk about standing on the shoulders of giants. Oh. We, we are not in a... We are, we are living in a time where the right understanding and the right interpretation and the proper exegesis of the word is easier for us to grasp, understand, and communicate than ever. Amen. We have so many resources. So many good resources. I mean, we have even more bad resources. But even <laughs> if you cut all the bad resources out, there's still so good many good resources. resources. You know? Um, and and so, so it is amazing. We must open the Bible. We must preach it. Um, and preach it well and preach it accurately. We covered that um, in our first, or no, I guess it'll be our second episode that'll drop. Dun, when dun, we talk dun, about this will be uh, our third episode. Dun, dun, oh, dun. When we talk about, uh, you know, how, how to properly exegete the scripture in the text. Um, but, uh, but, but yes, do, do not abandon your brothers on the front lines in ministry uh, by being a coward and not addressing the things that you know will bring heat on you. Um, because God has already provided mm. you with provisions for that time, whether it ends in death or not, God will provide for you. Um, whether in this life or the next, you are called to be faithful until the end. Run the race like Paul. I don't know anybody who is confident enough, as Paul was confident, to say, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, mm. I have kept the faith. If I were on my deathbed, I don't think I would have the audacity to say those things. But by the grace of God, Christ worked so powerfully in Paul's life that he had to come to grips with persecuting and stoning Christians, taking them to their death. He grappled with that sin. And yet by the grace of God, he was such a new man that at the end of his life, he is able to say that he has fought the good fight, that he has finished the race, and that he has kept the faith as an example to his spiritual son, Timothy. That is crazy. And that's exactly the type of attitude mm. and, and the type of demeanor that we must have in the pulpit and in the pastor's office as we counsel and in our social media spheres and in our workplaces and in every area of life. That is what we must keep in mind. Yes. So pastors speak the word, uh, congregants, so show grace and speak truth to your pastors lovingly. You must do these things. And my gosh, if you've got a pastor that's teaching the word, just can I just say, don't kick against the goads as Hebrews would 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 
would tell you, please get behind them, right? And I know it's not easy to follow uh, to follow the truths of God's word, but but my goodness, if you have a pastor that's being faithful to the word, support them and try to exhibit the actual things they're teaching. Don't make them wonder if they're standing up there every Sunday, if they're speaking to you every Wednesday, if they're ministering to you every Thursday. Don't don't make them wonder if anything is actually being done. Encourage them and then show them that you're hearing the word, comments, please. And pastors, my goodness, if you can't speak the truth of God, if you are beholden to a paycheck, find something else to do. And I mean that if your paycheck and your congregants dictate what you speak from the pulpit and how you preach the truth of God, find something else to do. Because far be it for you to be a better barista than it would be for you to be a bad pastor. Mm. And that is truth. And my goodness, we could keep going all night long. But this is this was an encouraging article. <laughs> I thought it was really good uh, for for us to go through and engage with. And so I want to uh, encourage you all uh, to to find a way to speak to your pastor, either encouraging words because they are faithful, uh, or or words that call them to accountability with the way of the scriptures in a loving way. And uh, and pastors, may you stand up boldly and speak the truth. Amen. 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 And with that, I don't know what more I could possibly say. I have no more to say. Amen. Well, that is by the grace of God all that we have for you. So thanks for joining us on both the audio and the video. And uh, by God's grace, we shall speak to you again. See ya.